Hey guys, so this episode is brought to you by Universal Furniture, and they're giving away 10 grand still, guys. There's one more week to enter. You can win $10,000 worth of dining furniture free from them. Just go to universalfurniture.com slash YHL now through October 16th. I'm John. And I'm Sherry. We like home stuff. We like talking. And we like the occasional game show sound effect. So welcome to Young House Love Has a Podcast, where we have deep and not so deep conversations about DIY, design, and life at home. Today, we're fessing up to the biggest regrets we have about our old houses. What would we do differently if we lived there again? And our rotting deck is finally gone, but making our backyard beautiful is turning out to be a bit of a process. So we ripped the deck off our house, guys. Yeah, we have, I guess, turned our backyard into turmoil. It went from a thing that functioned, but we didn't love, to a backyard sort of in... Transition. Exactly. It's not a girl, but not yet a woman, in the words of Britney right. Spears. <laughs> that is, you know what, a flawless analogy, Sherry. <laughs> it's like she wrote that song for this very situation. <laughs> you guys probably remember back in episode 51, we mentioned that I was dying to rip the deck off the house. John was okay with it. He was going along with it i was saying i want to do it now and he was saying wait let's just wait until we're like more ready yeah i'm considering a personal victory that we waited from june until basically the end of september to do it i just agreed with john that we shouldn't dive into it but then i started thinking wait but when i rip it off what i want to do is seed grass in a lot of the areas and i knew in order for the grass seed to grow the best time was fall so i chilled out all summer long and then i was like hey john yeah she like tapped her wrist like clock is ticking buddy that's right so we knew the fall was probably a good time to think about tackling it and then the other thing that kind of made it good timing was that we realized a tree died a big tree died in our backyard kind of next to the shed and it basically turned all brown and was dropping leaves like crazy so we showed it to our tree guy he was like yeah that thing has got to go so we figured if he was coming back to take care of that and he was going to have all of his big trucks and equipment back here we have this giant stump under the deck that also had to be ground so we should probably just you know kill two birds with one stone i guess Yeah, and I feel like anyone listening to this might be like, wait, why are you ripping your deck off? We outlined a lot of that in episode 51, but basically it felt like a giant fence fencing us in from our yard. It blocked our sight lines out the kitchen window. We didn't see grass. We saw railing. It was really great when our kids were younger for containing them, but they've outgrown it and we all want to be playing out in the grass and sort of, we want the eye to extend further and we want our bodies to extend further. And this big blockade, which was a like three-sided giant 750 square foot deck plopped down in the middle of the grass, just was not the way to go. And so we're still going to have shade and an area with furniture in that porch, which is this tiled portion that's raised. What we didn't really realize when we ripped the deck off is how beautiful that is. It has a brick foundation that perfectly matches the rest of our house. It had these beautiful brick stairs we unearthed under the deck. So it's really exciting, I think, to see the raw potential, but it is very raw still. (laughs) We basically had a friend of a friend who came over and demoed it for us. We considered doing it ourselves, but we knew it was going to be a a big job because also just the amount of like wood, the like rotten wood of the deck that we're going to be getting rid of. Right. I was like, will someone want this wood? No, it's really on its last legs. It's like expelling sap and it's rotten. There's green mold on some parts of it. You know, we've had people like for free come dig up bushes and take them home on Craigslist. We'll say free bushes if you dig them up. 
I thought about saying, free dick if you come remove it. But I knew nobody would want it. Right. And so we wanted people who knew what they were doing. We thought about it being us, but we realized by the time we rented the dumpster big enough to get it and haul it and all that, it would be as much money as this guy who was a friend of a friend's charges. He just loves demo. And so through our neighbor, we hired him. He was like a few hundred bucks. He hauled everything in his truck. So there was no big dumpster. It took him like three loads. Yeah, we were really lucky he was willing to work with us on the dumpster thing because if you recall, we were nervous about getting our driveway paved because we didn't want a dumpster on it. Because when a driveway, an asphalt driveway is so fresh, anything heavy can make impressions in the asphalt. And so he was like, no, 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 I'll just bring my truck. I can even like back it onto your lawn a little bit if I need to. So it doesn't get you know too heavy on the driveway. So he was really flexible. And again, it cost us basically probably just as much as it would be to rent a dumpster. And I would say it looks better, but it still, uh, as you said, looks like it's not yet a woman. Right, it still has a ways to go. Well, I think the problem is that in actuality, it was not take the deck off and then seed for grass. It was take the deck off, get the stump ground. There was a fair amount of electrical work that ran under the deck because it had been wired to things like sconces in our back porch. Our main line, which goes to the shed and gives the shed power, was routed under the deck. And we also had this air conditioner unit that was sitting next to the deck, but when the deck was removed, it just was sitting like eight feet off the house. It was like an island. Just like, hey, I'm going to put the air conditioner, I don't know, right there in the middle of the yard. A little bit of this and an air conditioner unit here. Yes. bibbity bobbity boo <laughs> So we had to have the HVAC people come out to move it closer to the house so that it made more sense. So we finally have gotten through all of those things. Like the stump is gone. The electrical is is wired more closely to the house so it's not loose where it was under the deck. But it still looks, yeah. I see the potential and it looks good. But I think if you came over, you'd be like, what'd you do to your backyard? The deck was better than this because it's in that awkward, it looks worse before it gets better right. stage. And part of the problem I think we're going to run into is that we do want to put a patio where the deck was. But... That's also where that stump was. And if anyone has had a large tree removed or a large stump ground, you know that that is not a problem that goes away right away. You can grind the stump, but still some of the roots underground are going to rot. And so the land will sink over time. We have still spots in our yard from trees that were removed four years ago that have slightly sunk. And so we know it's a bit premature to go put a patio there right away. Because right, it's just going to sink. It's going to sink, yeah. So what we're doing is our plan is to seed the entire area just so it looks more finished. There might be spots it doesn't get great grass and then it will be winter and it'll be too late. We can reseed in the spring. And then we're going to wait at least a full year until next fall to start the patio. And I think what that will do is a few things. It will teach us how big of a patio we want to add. And I just think it might be nice to really think about that. We might want a curve on the patio. We might want a fireplace on the, you know, like people do this outdoor chimeneas. We might realize we want a little ledge that people can sit on. Not well, too I definitely want a ledge. You do? Yes. That's funny because I thought it might look so open if everything's Our kids like, love a ledge. Come they on. They do love a ledge. They'll just be walking on the ledge all day. It's like a kid's balance being made out of material that will hurt your face. If you fall. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, exactly what kids Sounds love. Sounds so kid-friendly. So I think as much as we want to get to the after, it is something that we still are going to have to pace ourselves. It makes me grateful that we did go ahead and dive into it now. Look we didn't at put that. it off for another year. I can't believe you're saying Honey, that out loud. You were right. I was right. It's so much prettier, right? Can your uh, your special it eyes... It will be so much prettier. Can't they see the potential, though? Yeah, but, you know, right now there's, like, ground stump mulch that needs to be right. moved. And, like trampled grass from all the tree cutting materials so like it's not looking its finest at the moment but I know sometimes it has to get worse before it gets better yeah and one good thing is a 
immediate gratification is now the view out the kitchen window, which if you guys know our kitchen, we have three big windows over the sink. That was kind of one of our things I really wanted was to enjoy the view like wholeheartedly of the backyard. And that view used to be the railing of the deck, like almost exclusively. No green grass. Now it's grass and trees. And that is instant gratification that I love. I love that I don't see the wood railing anymore. Maybe we should try to take a picture of that and put it in the show notes. Okay, yeah, we'll put lots of pictures. I don't know if we have a before of that, sort of with the deck. I don't think we have a before out the window view. How about this? We'll put the deck back up. No, <laughs> never. Take the before, take it back down again. No, I think what we'll do is put a lot of pictures in the show notes because I get that this is kind of a visual thing we're chatting about, but it's nice now that we've done those three things, you know, with the electrical, the moving of the air conditioner unit, and the grinding of the stump that we finally get to get to the fun stuff, which is seeding grass. Even though it's only October... Sherwin-Williams has announced their color of the year 2018. So they're second after Bear, right? Yes. We talked about Bear's color of the year a few podcast episodes ago. Theirs was in the moment, kind of a soft gray, bluish color, if you recall. Which I was like, everybody loves blue. And then I didn't pick blue and I lost that quiz. Yes. So um, we're going to do this a little bit differently this time. And I want you to ask me some yes or no questions because you love to guess what a color of the year is going to be. And you can use your questions to narrow down. And I will tell you once you're getting close enough. I don't expect you to get the like literal color. Uh, as long as you get like within the range of the type of color, you don't need the like specific name. Okay. Well, what I need is what was the color of the year last year for Sherwin Williams because I can't keep this all straight. You need this stuff? I need you to provide me that. Okay. So last year for 2017, I guess this year, Sherwin Williams color of the year was poised taupe. Oh, I remember that. It was hard for you to say. Poised taupe. Yes. Poised taupe. Um, Here, I can show you a picture of it if you want to see it. Okay. Kind of a purpley gray. Uh Uh-huh. And the year before that was alabaster, just kind of white. So that's a little bit of your backstory. What's your first yes or no question for me? Um, hold on. Let me think about this for one second. I think it's going to end up being a bluish gray color, but I'm, that's just my, that's my, um, prediction. It also could be like a deep green. Those are my, before we get into a prediction. Okay. Neither of those are questions. Okay. Well, my first question is, would you describe this color as a light color or a dark color? Well, I will actually turn to Sherwin-Williams, who calls it a complex, deep color that offers a sense of the familiar with a hint of the unknown. Whoa. I love the way they describe these things. It's really surprising, actually, that it's deep because last year they went kind of deep and the year before that was alabaster, which is really light. So I would have guessed that this year would be that like lightish blue-gray, but now it's got me on the deep, greeny, maybe not greeny-blue. It's like a greeny-gray. That's my prediction. Deep greeny gray. So what can I do to get you to confirm that for me? Would you consider it in the green family? Yes. (gasps) Am I going to get this on the nose? I would say it is a close relative to green. Okay. Well, then it's got to be like a deep blue, but it can't be a purpley blue because that's not a relative of green. So it's like a deep blue green, like a deep, deep teal maybe? I think you got it. Did I? (laughs) Golf clap. It has all to do with what they did the year before and the year before. And then it has to do with what's trending right now, which emeraldy and deep blues are still so hot. Yes. So if you haven't seen it yet, guys, the 2018 color of the year from Sherwin-Williams is called Oceanside. Ooh. And it is described as something that bridges together a harmonious balance of blues and greens that can be found in what's old and new. Ooh. There's a picture of it, Cher, if you want to see it. It actually is very close to what we just painted our tub at the beach house. It really is. That was called Riverway. 
Yeah. This, and it was also Sherwin Williams. Yeah, this is called Oceanside. This is a little bit, I would say, more saturated, bolder than right. ours. Ours was a bit more muted. I don't know that I love it mixed with the backs of the bookcase being green that way. Yeah, we'll just, share a picture in the show notes. Yeah, this is their inspiration photo that they have on their website. Yeah, it's very bold in this room because like all the trim, the fireplace, everything is painted this yeah, color. They went all in on their color of the year. <laughs> to me, it's a color that maybe requires a bit more moderation. I think it'd be really cool on a piece of furniture. Or yeah. an accent wall. Or I think you could like do a whole bedding. room. Yeah. But you would need to maybe not do the fireplace and the bookshelves and all the molding. Well, well, it would actually look really pretty with white molding to pop it, you yeah. know? The backs of a bookcase, you guys, would be really nice. In our second house, we painted the backs of our bookcase sort of a greeny blue tealish color like this. <laughs> and um, it looks really pretty with a white bookcase. All the white around it sort of tempered it so it yeah. didn't look crazy. You're right. It's close to that. That was what? Dragonfly? By Martha Stewart. By Martha Stewart, I think. Yeah. I don't um, think she even makes paint anymore. She's busy making pet collars and stuff. I don't know. <laughs> this is my favorite description. No, she's with Snoop on our favorite show. That's true. <laughs> this is my favorite description of the color. It says, a collision of rich blue with jewel tone green. That's why it's a family mm. of green. A color that is both accessible and elusive. <laughs> it's funny because a few days back, Sherwin-Williams posted kind of a video on their Instagram of all their past color of the years for like the past six years. And if you look at them, they play in a pretty tight family of colors. With the exception of 2015, where they did a coral color, everything is kind of in this gray, blue, green family. Everybody loves blue. Guys, if every paint company just shared their most popular color, I know this. I've like spoken with 15 paint companies who all tell me this. It's always they sell the most blue. It might be a blue gray. It might be a soft blue. But it's always in the blue family. And I think it's because it's not a polarizing color. Yellow is polarizing. Orange is polarizing. Right. Purple. I mean, Poise Taupe was probably a risky move for them because not everyone's going to go paint their house like a purpley gray. Yeah, it's basically gray. Yeah, it was very muted. Well, we will see if your predictions hold true once we hear from who else, like Pantone we haven't heard from yet. Pantone will do something crazy and bright though. Like Pantone is not afraid of picking orange as the color of the year. So I would have a different prediction for Pantone. Okay, we'll have to see. Actually, if Pantone hasn't done yellow in a while, that would be my guess for them. But I don't know if they've done it. And also my prediction for Benjamin Moore. So last year they did that dark purpley color, which I basically guessed on Shadow. the nose. Yes. This year I think they're going to go super light, but it's going to have like a pinkish tone. Like it's going to be like a creamy off-white with a little bit of pink in it. Like, like a very... Very, very soft blush color or the color of a salt lamp. That's my prediction. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> I always wonder if they're like back at their offices being like, well, crap, now Bear and Sherwin-Williams have both done blues. We got to do something different now. Like yeah. how much they're influenced by other people. I'm sure. Yeah. I wonder if they pick like three finalists and then they wait for the other ones to release and they pick well, the one they, that's different. They say these are very scientific. Like they look at oh, trends they do? and stuff. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. I don't think these are supposed to be out of the blue. Maybe they are. Well, they're not what they sell the most of. I know that for sure because they, they'd be the same every year. <laughs> well, I believe Pantone a lot is like looking at fashion trends and other trends and trying yes. to be predictive of what's coming. Yes. That's why I could see it being like yellow or poppy red watermelon because that is a more bold. They don't just look at what you'd paint a wall. Uh, often right. the colors they pick are too crazy for a right. while. Right. No, because Pantone is not a paint company. Right. Well, I'll put a link to the announcement from Sherwin-Williams about their color of the year for 2018, Oceanside, so you can check it out for yourself, as well as some of the other old color of the years that we have just talked about. 
But anyway, in episode 62, in like a throwaway, we were talking about how to get over if someone changes your house after you sell it and they take something out that you love and how to like sort of disassociate with that house and put your energy and your love into your new house. Right. Sometimes this happens. We drop a sentence and people are like, wait, more about that sentence. Yes. And we mentioned how there were even things in hindsight when we looked at what we did to the second house or our first house that we weren't. We didn't love as much in hindsight. And one of the things we threw out was we have a P opening between the dining room. <laughs> that P opening. Sound. Oh, gosh. A P-shaped opening. P-shaped opening. So instead of opening a wall that's like a doorway, you know, that's called a cased opening, a really wide doorway. That's like a rectangle shape. Right. We did it with a peninsula of the counter jutting through it. So it made sort of the shape of a P. Yeah, there was basically like this big sort of intrusion into the opening. That was the peninsula. So it changed the shape. It was like a... A Tetris block. It was. It totally was. And so in hindsight, I didn't love, especially as I've grown to know myself and my style, I really love symmetry. I love a doorway that even if it weren't as big or as wide, if I could have avoided the shape of the P in hindsight, I probably would have just done still a pretty wide opening instead of a hugely wide opening that looked like a Tetris block. But in mentioning that, everybody said, whoa, 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 that would be fun. Go back and tell us what you regret or what you would change about previous homes or previous projects. Hashtag no regrets, guys. <laughs> I, can't, I don't have time for regrets in life. I think that there are a few when John and I sat down, we we're like, could we do a whole like segment on that? But we came up with five things that we definitely would change. And maybe they'll help you if you're about to dive into something and you might make one of these, you know, they're not necessarily mistakes because you might like the end result, but maybe think twice because we didn't love the end result. Well, and also for us, reflecting has also helped us think about how we can improve going forward. Right. So I'll disclaim up front that like these are not necessarily just like stylistic things because I think our personal aesthetic has evolved through our three houses. So certainly if I was to time travel back into our first or second house, I don't think either of us would decorate the exact same way because we just gravitate towards different things than we put in those houses. So we're not talking about just like style changes. Right. Like, this is not like the color of the pillow in the living right, room like, I would change. I would have used a different paint color. Right. No, it's it's much bigger things. Yeah. So we're going to count that P-shaped opening as our number one regret from the second house. Right. We would have just done a narrower opening that was symmetrical. Number two, I think, is not refinishing the floors in the second house. And this is actually, I think, kind of a general theme about some of my regrets for the second house is that we didn't commit more to making bigger renovations in the house. I think we tried to do a lot of things on a budget or do it ourselves or sort of the easier solution for things. Yeah, we did, I think, in a few ways say like, well, that's impossible. We'd have to move all the furniture out of the back of the house. But like, then we moved into our third house, which is our forever house, the house we live in now. And it wasn't impossible. It was certainly super inconvenient to move things out of the house. But we got a pod, put all the furniture in it, and refinished the floor. So it is possible. Yeah, I think at the time that seemed like an insurmountable project to take on. Right. It'll be so dusty and where will all the furniture go? And like you said, having done it now, it doesn't seem out of the realm of possibility. And I think it would have gone a long way to helping that house feel more unified. Because if you guys remember that house at all, before we bought it, previous owners had put on a couple additions. And so we had the original hardwood floors in the front of the house, but the kitchen had just had vinyl tile that then we replaced with cork floors. And then the back of the house had parquet through the living room. It had tile in the sunroom. And then it had another... Oh, you're right. It had like a wide plank pine in the bedroom. Yeah, our bedroom had yet another floor that was like, again, yeah, wide planked kind of almost farmhouse looking. Yeah, it was a different tone completely. It was cool, but the house seems so chopped up because of these different floors. 
And I think had we done what we did in this house to solve the problem is like actually have the inconsistent flooring taken out, put all hardwoods in and have it restained to match. Right. We'd keep the hardwoods in the front of the house. We'd just lay new hardwoods where the vinyl was, where the parquet was, and where the weird wide planked flooring in the bedroom was. And then we'd refinish the whole thing to match. Yes. It's what we did here when we had half hardwoods, half vinyl, tile, everything else going on here. Because it also felt very choppy here. I think the difference in the headspace was we knew we'd stay here forever. This was our neighborhood. We always had our eye on. We couldn't believe we were here. This and, house now. Yes. And it was worth it. I worry that in that time at the second house, we thought, we know we're not going to be here forever. It's a big annoyance for us. And honestly, I think money-wise, it probably was smart. That house, we did not over-improve. Right. And we still got a good selling price. We made money selling that house versus our first house where we put a lot of money into it, probably arguably over-improved, and then didn't quite make it back. We also sold that in the low point of the economy, but... I don't think we're really taking the like budget into effect here. This yeah. is just like in this hindsight. This is fantasy world. Right. If John and Sherry hopped in a time machine and could go back, we would have taken the week or two that it would have been of like moving out and living in half the house while the other side was refinished and we would have done it. And I think it would have gone a long way in unifying that house. Speaking of which, number three. Number three is not double-siding the fireplace. We had this fireplace in our kitchen. It faced our kitchen. And the other side of that fireplace just opened into the living room. All we had to do was get a mason to make an opening in the back of that brick wall and slide a gas insert. Gas inserts are our favorite. I know some people love wood burning. We, in our first house, had a wood burning fireplace and a gas fireplace. And we found that we use the gas fireplace all the time and basically never use the wood burning one. And so I wish that we had double sided that fireplace just because how often do you have a fireplace that you can do that to? Right. It's like an amazing feature to have a double sided fireplace and these like awesome Airbnbs you see it and amazing hotels you see it. We could double side this one and then you could (laughs) see out to the air conditioning unit we just moved. Exactly. It would look outside, right? And most fireplaces, they're on an outside wall. But thanks to an addition being built, it was an interior wall and it was just the perfect house to do the show-stopping double-sided fireplace. We didn't do it. Again, it was fine when we sold the house. We made our money back. We didn't over-improve it. It could have been an over-improvement. It just would have been so cool to see I feel like you mostly regret that just because it was an opportunity missed. Number four regret, and this goes, I think, probably for both of our first houses because they were both ranches, was not lofting a ceiling somewhere. I know. Ranches are like perfect for that, right? I have wished we did it. We have a friend actually who had a ranch and she lofted her kitchen and it was beautiful. In fact, your parents lofted their kitchen too in their last house. Yeah. I just think it's one of those, you think, oh, it's just a ceiling. What's it going to do? But in a ranch or in a smaller home, it can really make everything feel lighter and more open. Again, it wasn't something that would make or break those houses because they're lovely and they're beautiful without it. You don't walk in and go like, where's the lofted ceiling? Right. But it, like the double-sided fireplace, I think it just would have been such a cool thing. I've always thought a lofted bedroom would be great or a lofted kitchen would be really nice. Yeah. And I think in especially our second house, we could have easily done the bedroom because it was on its own kind of separate addition. We could have done the living room actually in that I house. Know, that would have been cool. That living room was giant though. So maybe we didn't want it to feel any more echoey and It was like a football field to that room. I think that falls under the same as the fireplaces. Like we don't have the opportunity to really do that here. 
Right. I mean, arguably, you could do it in any upstairs room. Well, I thought we could do it when we renovate our bathroom, but right now our HVAC unit is right above there, so we'd have to move that and it'd be a whole thing. I know. I really, 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 guys, this is a weird thing, but I love an outdoor shower feeling, and I thought, wouldn't it be cool if we renovated our bathroom? It's on the second floor. There's nothing but roof above it. Well, and that HVAC unit. But how cool would it be to have a skylight? Because you'd be in the shower and you get the natural light coming down. I would do that. But... What's the problem? I, I don't know. Drones. A bunch of our neighbors have drones to the point where they they email us pictures of our house from the top. They fly over and take a picture of the top of our house. And I'm like, imagine my naked body in there just seeing a drone and freaking out. You know what? I hate to break it to you, but a drone could look in your window too. So, it's, But I close the window. I don't know. There's something about... How about a solar tube? I'm thinking maybe a frosted skylight would be fine. If they see the shape... A general shape of, okay, I just can't have my neighbor's kids with their drones seeing my full naked body. <laughs> this is a very specific concern, Jerry. I didn't know this about it, you. Well, I thought you'd guess right away because they like email us like, hey, here's a picture of your house. It's only happened like twice. I don't know. Okay, number four actually goes back to that P-shaped opening that Sherry was talking about and actually the, the kitchen and how we did that floor plan. If any of you guys followed along with that renovation, you know we struggled a lot at the upfront as to how to improve the floor plan in that kitchen because it was such a long, narrow room. And I think we did come up with a good solution and it did really work well for us while we were there. But in addition to that opening, one other regret we had is the way we arranged the pantry and the refrigerator. We had this really tall pantry cabinet that we reused and it was pretty much the only tall cabinet in the room with the exception of the refrigerator and the cabinet above the refrigerator. Right. So picture two tall elements. What would Symmetry Sherry do? Well, maybe what Symmetry Sherry did was for balance, we put them on opposite walls. It was a bad call, guys. I didn't realize this, but we put them on opposite walls. So there were two tall towers on each side of the room, towering over you in both directions. What symmetry-loving Sherry has learned now is it can still feel very balanced when you join two tall cabinets along one wall. In our kitchen now, all the tall cabinets are along the same wall. Yeah. In this case, we actually put like basically the pantry and the fridge together rather than separating them. We basically feel like the kitchen would have felt more open had we grouped those together so that we could have had a big open wall rather than every wall being broken up by these things. And number five has to do actually with a backsplash all the way in our first house. Yes. That is one of my big regrets from our big kitchen renovation in our first house. Like we, for some reason, stopped short of putting a backsplash. I think at the time it's because we thought, hey, the little stripe of wall that we could paint whatever color we wanted is the way that we could mix up the look of the kitchen. I think we also were super cheap and we were like, we've spent all this money on cabinets. You need cabinets in a kitchen. You need appliances in a kitchen. Maybe you don't need a backsplash in a kitchen. Well, you I'm, don't need you one. You don't need one. But it's the single easiest thing that elevates a kitchen and you're talking a few hundred dollars, not thousands. Yeah, it seems silly to stop short there in retrospect. I mean, especially having just put the one in at my aunt's house a few months ago. Yeah, we'll link to that in the show notes. We used just small subway tile. It was a few hundred dollars. Very easy. It took us like a day and a half. It's a beginner thing to do. Grouting is like icing a cake. So I wish we had learned in that house. And later we went on to tile the whole bathroom. So we figured out how to tile in that house. We just never went back to the kitchen and said like, hey, for a few hundred $100 at Home Depot or a tile store, we could buy something to super elevate this. And yeah. that is, if I could break in in the middle of the night and tile that backslash, I would. 
Oh, and I have one more thing about flooring that is just a general regret. It took me too long to learn this and I'm trying to pass it on to you guys. If you ever are given the choice between laying raw oak hardwoods and having them stained in place, it's called refinishing in place, they stain and seal it after it's laid, versus the opportunity to lay hardwoods that have already been stained and sealed, like stuff you buy at Lumber Liquidators. Yeah. I think they sell it at Lowe's and Home Depot too. The pre-finished stuff. Right, pre-finished. Every single time, if there's an opportunity, guys, choose the raw oak being laid and then stain and seal it in place. I cannot explain to you how different it looks. The grain is more beautiful. It looks more authentic and classic. The pre-finished always looks a little bit like somebody laminated it. Like, even though we get good stuff, we did our entire second floor with it here. And in hindsight... I was going to say, this is a regret for this house, I think. Yes, when we patched in the first floor and we used refinish in place because we wanted to stain everything to match... It looks so beautiful down here and upstairs. It always looks a little bit shiny, laminated. Like you can tell the difference when you're standing on a floor that's been stained and sealed in place or that was stained and sealed and then installed because there's even more cracks. You can see the grooves have not been stained. You know, just the surface has the coating on it. When you get it sanded and stained in place like we did down here, it just permeates every crack everything looks seamless yeah it is much more like smooth finish down here so i wish we had had the time or taken the time before we moved in upstairs to have raw oak put in and finished up there because i think it looks nice upstairs but it could look nicer well i know a lot of things we talked about are flashbacks to our old houses so we'll make sure there are links in the show notes at younghouselove.com slash podcast to all these so that if you don't know something we're referencing you can go look back at it, and know why we regret it. And silently judge us. How could we have overthought that? Because we have loudly judged ourselves. (laughs) Well, we have a few things that we're digging. John's on the outdoor train again. But first, we have to take a quick break. So as you guys heard, this episode is brought to you by Universal Furniture. And as Sherry mentioned, this is the last week of their $10,000 dining room furniture giveaway. And I have to admit that I'm kind of like maybe a simpleton when it comes to thinking about dining furniture because like my head just goes to table chairs. And I'm like, where does $10,000 go? Poor John. He's just so innocent. Well, so then, naive. So then I was looking on their website. And I was like, oh yeah, all the storage stuff like buffets, uh, storage cabinets. My mind just doesn't go to these places. In our own dining room, we have a buffet. I know. I and know. a console and two corner cabinets. Well, so I was, <laughs> I was talking about this with Neil at Universal. We saw like forget what you call it but it was some sort of like liquor cabinet or wine yes i know what you're talking about the uh the libations locker if you will Um, oh so fancy yeah there's some great feature functions in some of the dining offerings that we have like our libations locker which is really a cool look but there's tons of storage for glassware and even silverware or plates where maybe that's where you do most of your eating and it actually makes more sense to actually store a lot of that stuff right there in that room as opposed to in some of the you know maybe limited cabinet space that you have in your kitchen so yeah i guess if you guys are looking to up your storage game in your dining room, now's the week to do it because it's Universal's dining room event, which includes that $10,000 dining room furniture giveaway. You can enter at universalfurniture.com slash YHL now through October 16th. Again, that's universalfurniture.com slash YHL. Guys, if you thought my cordless electric blower was exciting, <laughs> hold, hold on to your hats. Hold on to your butts. <laughs> your butts. Those two. So guys, this week I am digging a cordless electric hybrid edger. (laughs) 
<laughs> I know lots of lots of things to unpack in there. So let's go. <laughs> After years of buying hardly anything for outside except for a rechargeable mower, you know, he has an electric mower. John has now bought a blower and an edger. Yeah. Well, we had an edger a long time ago that was plug in and it broke and I just never replaced it because I never really used it that much because it was just a hassle. But recently we realized it would be helpful to have an edger. You know, these are those string edgers that you can use to kind of like tidy up your mulch beds or get grasses and stuff that grow around trees or mailboxes. And we wanted one because we have a very small amount of grass at the beach house, but it has gotten unruly in places. And rather than buying a lawnmower to keep there somewhere, we thought, I bet we can accomplish all of it just by having an edger. Yes, tiny front yard, guys. Yeah, that's what a couple of the neighbors have as well. So I decided to buy one from Ryobi, not one from Cobalt. I know I talked about my Cobalt blower and how I already have the batteries for that, but I found one that actually matches those Ryobi One Plus batteries that I also have. Guys, John is not faithful to just one brand. I am not monogamous when it comes to battery (laughs) systems. So since a lot of the other tools like my drill and my nail gun and my palm sander work on that Ryobi stuff that I bring out to the beach house, I thought it would make more sense. Um, But I really like this thing. I grabbed it just at Home Depot. It was 89 bucks. They've got a bunch of different ones. So I will link to the specific one I got in the show notes at younghouselove.com slash podcast. But here's the reason I really like this one besides it just being cordless and easy to break out and do a little bit of trimming. It is also hybrid which means it also can plug in so that if you are out of battery, like let's say you didn't charge it before you started or you're doing a really long marathon of edging your beds, (laughs) you can plug it in and still use it. So I have used it at the beach house successfully and I even brought it home and have used it here. It's the first time I've really edged the beds here. I know, I noticed. Doesn't it look sexy? It looks really good. I I noticed, my eyes don't notice lawn stuff, but I was like, hey, that looks really Hey, what happened there? How are you doing, mulch bed? So again, it was only like 90 bucks. I already had the battery, but it did come with another battery and charger. So it's always good to have extras of those around. So I am a satisfied customer. Okay, and what I'm digging is actually a TV show that we're probably just late to this bandwagon, but it's called The Good Place. And you guys, it's so funny. So usually what I watch on TV, you know, it's Housewives, it's Bravo. I call it psychoanalyzing time when I watch Bravo because I'm just like sort of silently, I wouldn't say judging, but I am analyzing analyzing what makes... Are you trying to make this deeper than it is? I'm wondering what makes these women tick. You enjoy yelling. I do love yelling. But because I yell at the screen, I'm like, why are you being so crazy? You're going to watch this later and be embarrassed at yourself. I'm like their mom, basically. (laughs) When I think they're going to go left, they go right every time. Isn't this about the good place? It is. I'm getting there. But then when it comes to other shows, John and I overlap almost exclusively on liking dramas and thrillers and mysteries. We, I think, like suspense and a little bit of darkness in the plot so that there's a resolution. Like, we like a mystery that is solved. We love... Yeah, something that's, like, serialized over a season. Right. True crime is very interesting to us. And so when our friends are always like, hey, are you watching blank comedy? We're always like, oh, we tried it for a season, but then we fell off. And I've I've analyzed that because, you know, I like to analyze. And I think it's because we like a plot that's really um, going somewhere. And a lot of comedies, it's like a different funny thing happens each week, but there's not this, like through the line plot that's going somewhere that you want to know where it ends up. Right. Like we've loved Parks and Recreation, The Office, Cougar Town, but like it's easy to fall off of those because if you miss a week, like what's the big deal? Right. It's not like serialized in a way that will lead you to some revelation at the end. But The Good Place. The Good Place, guys, is a comedy, but in a way it feels very serialized. Like you have to know where it's going. And I don't want to give too much away. Yeah, it's like 
almost impossible to describe the show without giving away because there's a twist in the very first episode that sets up everything else. Yes, and then there's a huge reveal at the end of the first season and it keeps you watching. I, I'm psyched. The second season just started. So we watched the whole first season. We binged it on Netflix. It's called The Good Place. And it has, who's that cute girl? Kristen Bell. Yes, Kristen Bell is so adorable in it. The whole cast is great. I love everyone on it. She and Ted Danson are basically like the only... Oh my gosh, that's Ted Danson? You didn't know that's Ted Danson? No! Yes. (laughs) I kept calling him that skinny old guy. (laughs) I didn't know. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Anyway, but the cast is great. But what I was going to say is that if you are someone who needs a plot that drives something, this from week to week is not just like different hijinks in this place because I can give part of it away the good place is heaven but this is a comedy right so like there's really funny things like you can't curse so she'll be like what the fork (laughs) what else did she say she's like well that's bullshit oh yeah that's bullshit thanks for listening to young house love has a podcast and thank you guys for sharing our podcast with your friends family and fellow home lovers we know the word podcast and still earn you kind of weird looks, so we appreciate you guys going out on a limb and recommending us anyways. And keep telling us what you do while you listen. Like what Sarah tweets, who listened while hand-scraping paint off 100-year-old hardwood floors. They were covered in carpet when she started at episode one, and she's all the way up to episode 30 already. Whoa. And don't forget to check out younghouselove.com podcast for all the bonus links, photos, and info from this episode. Like a ton of pictures of those design regrets we referenced. And a view of our deckless backyard. So much potential, guys. It's so exciting. Later. Bye. Hold, hold on to your hats. Hold on, hold on to your butts. <laughs> your butts. That's a Jurassic Park reference. Thank you very much. <laughs> it's a, one of the lesser known, lesser appreciated Samuel L. Jackson quotes. Everyone's oh all gosh. about snakes on a plane. Let's <laughs> yeah. talk about. Let's walk up to him and just say, hold on to your butts. He would love it. I feel like he would not love it. <laughs>